0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Destination Church. We make all of our resources available because we hope that they have an enormous impact on your life and help you see how much you truly matter to Jesus and to our church. We love to hear stories about life change from every ministry in our church, and this is no exception. So if this ministry has impacted you in a big way, we encourage you to share your story with us by sending an email to hello at destinationchurch.cc. We would also encourage you to contribute financially to our vision. Find out how by going to destinationchurch.cc slash give. We hope you enjoy the sermon. This is the second week of our series that we started last week called Chase What Matters. Everybody say Chase What Matters chase what matters. That's right. And what we're talking about in this series is, is the church has to know what it is that matters to Jesus. And we have to chase after what he's chasing after. And so last week we talked about in week one, that the number one thing that Jesus is chasing after, the number one thing that the church and that we should be chasing after is you. Everybody say you matter. I got y'all talking a lot today this morning, don't I? That's right. Yeah, You matter. You matter to Jesus and you matter to us. And that's why we planted this church. That's why we're here. That's why we keep talking about what matters. If you're like, Pastor Ricky, I've heard the word matters a thousand times already. I've been here 10 minutes. Good. That's what I want. I want you to hear it so much that you begin to take it in on the inside and you begin to realize that my life really is about discovering what matters most and then going after it with everything I got. Can you guys agree with that? That's exactly right. So last week we talked about that you matter. And we introduced the main point last week and it's kind of the direction that we're going with this whole series. Um, And the direction is that You can't chase after something that you don't have a heart for. You can't chase after something that you don't have a heart for. Now, today's message is entitled Kids Matter, and Jesus really did and really does care about kids. And so we're going to talk about those today. We're going to talk about kids today. We're going to talk about why they matter to him and why they should matter to you and I. And I'm not talking about your kids that you had, I'm talking about kids in general, kids that you and I come in contact with and engage every single day, that we have to show them that they matter not only to us, but that they matter to Jesus. So the main point for for this whole series is, is that you won't get, you won't chase after something that you don't have a heart for. Um, So I'm going to be talking out of the book of John chapter 6 today. So if you want to turn there, last week we were in John chapter 4. Today we're going to be in John chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 13. And in these nine verses, something happens that shows us just how to show kids that not only are they valuable but that we play a role in determining their outcome. We play a major role in investing in them and helping them to know Jesus and know that he is what matters in their life. So if you want to turn to the book of John, chapter 6, and I'm going to be starting in verse 5, and we're going to be reading out of verse 5 there. Um, But before I do, I want you to write down this verse for me. Last week, we had these nice little booklets, and you couldn't write on them at all. Anybody have problems writing in the book? Yeah, exactly, right? Right, people are like, hey, this is nice, but I can't write on it. No, I'm just kidding, they didn't do that. But today, you should be able to write on that. So I want you to write this verse down. You ready? Matthew 18, Matthew 18 and 3. You see, first, I want you to know that kids matter to Jesus, See, it's easy for me to be a preacher and come up here and go, listen, I'm a man of God, so what if I tell you that kids matter? You should believe me and take it as holy word. No, that is not who we are here at Destination Church. I want you to go and research and investigate and do everything that you can to make sure that when you're making a decision on what you believe and what you think matters and doesn't matter, that it's an informed decision, Don't take my word for it. Anything we teach you here should be backed up by the scripture. It should be biblically based. And not only should there be one scripture so that we can't take it out of context, but that scripture should be able to be backed up by another one. So I want to show you first in Matthew 18 that kids matter to Jesus. So if you look at Matthew 18 in the very first verse, okay, um, you can go there if you want to, but I'm just going to kind of give you a, a breakdown of what happens here, okay? The, the disciples, they come to Jesus, and they ask him this question. They say, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus uh, likes to play tricks on the disciples every now and then. I don't know if you guys, he likes to troll on them just a little bit. So he goes and he grabs a kid, and he brings a little kid, and he stands him in front of him, okay? And he's like, unless you can be like this kid right here, you can't be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And this is what he says in Matthew 18 and 3. He brings a kid in front of him and he says, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. What does he mean by that? Well, he goes on in verse 4 to say, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And then in verse five, he says, and anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me, but, and this is where I want you to see that kids matter to him. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Yikes. I think kids matter to Jesus. What do you guys think? I think they did, right? Not only do I think they matter to Jesus, but I think when he talks about causing them to sin, I think that he's saying that the way that we treat them, pay attention to them, listen to them, invest in them and love on them as well, that matters big time to him. And I'm not talking about kids as parents. I'm talking about kids that you engage, grandparents, other kids that you come across at work that you come across in school or friends of kids that you have or friends that you have that have children or kids here at our church. We have an interest in making sure that they are invested in. Not only that, we have a responsibility to pay attention to them as much as Jesus said that he pays attention to them. So I think that they matter to Jesus. And I can tell you this. I can tell you why. Firsthand, my son TJ is nine years old, so he's a kid, right? Like, you take him into a restaurant, and you've got to plan out your agenda based on how much you're going to be able to keep his attention. Anybody else with me on that one right there? Yeah, exactly, right? You're like, so do I want to go there because it would be fun, but the nine-year-old's with me, so I don't know if it's really going to be fun or not. (laughs) Okay? Let me tell you this. Studies have proven, scientific studies have proven that children determine the morals and the values that they will use to carry them through the remainder of their life by a common age of what? Nine years old. My son right now has all the morals and the values that he's going to use for the rest of his life to determine how he's going to live. Now, They may be tweaked a little bit or molded or or shaped or altered a little bit between now and 13, but by 13, they are seared in place. So you best believe I have an interest in my kid and him knowing that he matters to me. But it shouldn't just be because he's my son. You see, I want you to see also that kids are teachable. They listen. They pay attention to what you're saying, and they know if you care about them or not by how much attention you give them, by how much time you spend with them. You see, every night I pray with my son. I read the Bible to him, and I pray. And I would like to stand here and tell you that it's because I'm a super pastor or I'm an amazing holy Christian, and that's why I do it. No, it's because he asks me every single night. He comes in, and he gives me a hug, and he goes, See you in a few minutes, right? And I can be working on something, I can be watching football, I can be doing anything, it doesn't matter, all right? Like I'm having a heart attack, he's like, hey, you're going to be done with that heart attack in a second, right? And you're going to come in here, we're going to pray, right? He wants to pray, and he wants to read. And so I go in and I do that. And because I spend time with him consistently every night, over the years, I've got to see him ask me questions. And now, at least once a week, he asks me a question about Jesus. And the role that Jesus plays in his life. I know that Jesus matters to him. And I'm getting to play a role in that because I'm being intentional about it. Kind of sorta, because I have a kid that comes and asks me every day. But I'm being intentional about it. I want you to know what's great about that is, is every night I don't want to go in there and read with him. There's some nights where I'm tired, right? I've been out all night, you know, if I go to a funeral and I've been out and it's nine o'clock and it's his bedtime, he doesn't care that I just walked in the door. He's a kid. All he knows is that he wants dad to read with him and pray. And so sometimes I get mad because I don't want to go in there. And then I get in there and then I feel guilty because I got mad and I shouldn't be mad. And then I feel guilty that I feel guilty and blah, 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 blah. But I go in there and I read to him and you know what? Because I do it anyways, even when I don't want to, because I put forth the effort, I remember the night that we were reading, and he asked me if he could be saved. And I led my son to the Lord right there in his bed. I remember it. I remember the day that I got to baptize him because he wanted everyone to know that he knows Jesus. And, you know, right now he's just a little kid. He's nine years old, and he likes 3DS, and he wants money for the arcade game, and he is bored all the time. But, you know, one day he's going to turn into an 18-year-old and a 25-year-old. And that day he's going to have a faith that is strong and has been ingrained in him. And some jerk face isn't going to come and tell him something that's a lie and take his salvation away from him or take his belief away from him or take what he believes in away from him and change him and veer him off course because his faith is secure and it's grounded. That's what we owe our kids today. That's what we're going to see in the story in John chapter 6 right here. We're going to see in this story how we can show kids that they matter to us. We can show them that we want to invest in them. We want to pour into them and pay attention to them so that intentionally and consistently they can see that Jesus is the best way to live life. So if you don't get anything here today, else that I say out of this message, I want you to get this, and this is the main point of the message today. The church that does not embrace their students will face extinction. You say, man, that's kind of morbid. No, it's the truth. It's the truth. You see, we can't just think about church next week. We got to think about the church and what where we're going to be and who we're going to be helping next year and the year after that and five years from now and ten years from now. And I want you to know that this world is doing everything that it can to tear the church down. Each and every day of our lives is doing everything that we can to uh, nullify the church, to say that the church is not relevant, to say that we don't know what we're talking about, that you can't get anything out of church or what the church believes in or teaches anymore. But I want you to know that the church is the bride of Christ. I want you to know that the church belongs to Jesus and it is timeless and it is always relevant as long as we do diligence at paying attention to what Jesus wants us to pay attention to. So today, if you'll look with me in the story in the book of John, chapter 6. Now, in chapter 5, Jesus is coming out of Jerusalem And he just left this big debate and this big argument that he was having with these Pharisees about healing people and stuff. They were getting all mad junk because he was healing people and performing miracles. And Pharisees didn't like it when you healed people and performed miracles. I don't know why, you know. Church leaders don't like it when you do nice things for people. I don't know why they do that. But this is what he's in. chapter 5, he is in Jerusalem and he comes out of there and he leaves. And the Bible says in chapter 6 that he goes to the far side of Galilee. And as he goes to the far side of Galilee, he begins to notice that people are following him. Well, I mean, I would too, wouldn't you? I mean, like, if he can heal people and, like, he can perform miracles. I mean, he's like a New Testament David Blaine. Like, I want to know what that guy's trick is. I want to follow this guy, and I want to see what he can do for me. Yeah, show me a trick. Here's a $100 bill. Make a 1,000 of them appear right now. And let me have them. Thank you right? People are wanting to be healed. They're wanting their diseases to be healed, and so they start to follow him, and Jesus notices in verse 5, he notices that these people are beginning to increase, and as they start to gather around, he begins to notice that they are far off on the other side of Galilee, and that it's getting late in the day, and they're about to celebrate the Passover at this time, and there's nowhere to eat. So he decides to go get one of his disciples, Philip, and he says, "Philip, what are we going to do? How? Where are we going to get all of the loaves of bread that we need to feed these people?" Now, the Bible says in verse six and verse seven that he already knew what he was going to do; he was just testing Philip. And then, then Andrew, Peter's brother, walks up. Andrew comes up and he says, "Hey, Lord," he says, "I've got this boy right here, and um, he's got a lunch." And uh, he's got some fish and chips in his lunch, but it's not enough to feed all these people. I mean, there's like over 8,000 people here. So he brought his lunch, but I don't know, I I don't see how we're going to feed 8,000 people with it. And I want you to see right here, in this verse right here, starting in verse 9, we're going to see that Jesus shows us, who the true hero of this story is. And if you're not familiar with this story, this is where Jesus takes the the loaves of bread and the fish, and he feeds, in the Bible, it's 5,000 men. But there was actually about 3,000 women and children there as well, and he fed all of them as well. So there was well over 8,000 people there in total, and he fed every one of them. And this is one of the greatest miracles that he ever did. And right here we see the true hero... Of one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever did. Does anybody know who it is? The boy, right? No, it's not the boy. I got you. I tricked you. The hero of the story ain't the boy. The hero of the story that we're going to see is his mom. Because she made him his lunch. You see... When I stand up here and we do graphics and say, hey, you need to go on our website and sign up and you need to help kids, we think you think that we're talking about you got to go home and study for four hours for a lesson so you can come back and dress up like a clown and go in there and you can act up in a mask on a stage and act like a little kid. And there are some people that love that, and I'm not knocking that. But everybody thinks that that's what we're talking about. No. I'm talking about you can invest in a kid's life. You can show them that they matter. Simply by making them their lunch. And I want to show you in this story right here what Jesus does when we are willing to go out of our way to do something simple but profound to show kids that they matter. You see, we don't know who this woman was. We don't know where she lives. We never hear her name or know nothing about her. But what we do know is that her son was one of those people, the multitudes of people that were following Jesus. And in that crowd, she wasn't going to feed 8,000 people, but she was going to make sure that her son knew that he mattered enough to her that she was going to make sure that he ate if nobody else did. So she made him a lunch, some loaves, bread, and some fish. I believe that the miracle is in the mom making his lunch. You see, if she doesn't make his lunch that day, he doesn't never show up with the bread and the fish, and then there is no food for Jesus to multiply because when you multiply anything times zero, it's zero. You got to start somewhere. And I want you to know, if you give Jesus one little crumb, he can do amazing, amazing things in our kids' lives. And he wants to do it through you and I. Take a look at with me right here. What does making a lunch for a kid look like? Well, I think that there are three things that we have to do to invest in our kids to do something simple and profound in their life, to make them a lunch, there's three things that we have to do. And it's found right here in verses 9 through 13. So look on your outline with me. Three things that we have to do to make someone's lunch. The first one that we have to do to show kids that they matter is we have to teach our students to recognize Jesus. In John chapter 6 and verse 9, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation this morning, Andrew, Peter's br- a brother, one of the disciples, this is what he says. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? I want you to know that Andrew didn't say, hey, I went and found a boy. I went and got this kid out of the crowd. I saw somebody munching on some fish and some chips over here, and I went and got it. No, he said, hey, hey, guys, there's this young boy who's here. And he's got five barley loaves and two fish. I want you to know that that young man, he came up to him with his food. He recognized who Jesus was. Remember Matthew 18? I said a while ago, you can't inherit the kingdom of God if you don't come in it with the faith of a child. I believe because that young boy was a little boy, I believe that he saw Jesus. This is a guy we've been following. This is a guy I've been seeing loving on people and caring for people and making miracles happen and healing people and restoring people and giving people hope and faith again. And I want to go and help him out. And I ain't got much, but you know what? My mom made me some lunch. If he can use it, he can have it. I believe that not only did he recognize Jesus, but he saw him for who he really was, the Messiah, the one they've been waiting on. This isn't just some magician or some prophet. This is the guy that I've been hearing about. My mom's been telling me stories about. We have been waiting on as a people for years and years to deliver us and restore us. This guy matters. And so I'm going to go and do what I can to help it wasn't because Andrew thought he could feed everybody with the, fi- with the food. If he would have, he wouldn't have said, well, we, we can't feed this big old huge crowd with this. Why would he go chase a kid down, steal his lunch from him, beat him up and steal his lunch from him, and then go, hey, look, I beat this kid up and took his lunch, but we can't. You and I can eat, but everybody else, there, forget that. I mean, it wasn't like there was a QT down the road, right? I mean, if there was a QT on the other hill, they could have went and got some taquitos and some hot dogs and some slushies and candy bars, but No. There was nothing nowhere. And Andrew knew it. He knew I that we don't even need to bother with this fish and with this bread right here because we can't do anything with that. But you know what? He's an adult, he's a grown man. He thinks logically, even as a disciple. And even though he had seen the things that Jesus has done, he didn't think that Jesus could do something with a kid's lunch. You and I. We can't be so jaded because of the experiences that we went through in life that we stop trying to see Jesus with the awe-inspiring and unimaginable amazement that kids look on Jesus with. You think when you tell a kid that Jesus fed 5,000 people with some bread and some fish, you think they're thinking in the back of their mind, yeah, that's a nice story, but I don't know if I really believe that. Mm Hmm. Most kids are like, dude, really? Wow. Did he like just wipe his hand over it and it reappeared and he handed out and wiped his hand? How did he do it? Did he just keep pulling the bread and fish from this one and it just kept being there again? Amazing. Right? How do I know that? Because I get those questions and those comments every single night. Daddy, how was Goliath nine feet tall and David killed him with a rock? whoa I wish I was that good and then we read on the story and I'm like and he pulled out his sword and chopped his head off Next, let's go on to the next story let's don't talk about that wait, 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 wait. He, he chopped his head off what kids believe they believe you when you tell them that Jesus can do anything I want to ask you what is it that's happened to us in our life that's made us stop believing that Jesus could do anything I know he can do anything. I'm standing on a stage in a church that shouldn't have ever launched. I launched with a bunch of people. Shouldn't have been able to launch a church. You want to know what? If we didn't believe in kids and we didn't show them they mattered, this church wouldn't be here right now. This church is built on the backs of students that we invested in and loved on and cared for and poured into for years And they love Jesus. And they want to see him be made known in people's lives. And so they come here every week and they bust their back. Setting everything up and putting everything together. And figuring it out. A bunch of ratty kids that nobody should be following. And you know what? God is turning them into mighty men and women of God. Don't tell me kids don't matter. People... Lives were changed last week. They're going to be changed this week. They're going to continue to be changed. We are going to see revival happen. And I believe the miracle is that they are going to just, just be, according to us, jaded adults, naive enough to believe that Jesus can still bring revival into this county. And he can still bring revival into this city. And he can still change this community. And he can do it with a church that meets every week in a movie theater. That people can't think amount to anything. But you and I know... Just come and see and watch what Jesus can do when you make a kid's lunch. The second thing that we've got to do is not only do we have to help them recognize Jesus, but we've got to teach our students to trust in Jesus. In John chapter 6 and verse 10, the boy came and he brought his lunch, and look what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, hey, kid, watch what I'm about to do with this right here. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Watch this. Abracadabra. No, he didn't say none of that stuff right You know what he did? He said, tell the people to sit down. Tell tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. And before Jesus ever broke bread, before he ever gave thanks in the next verse, before he ever did the miracle, not only did this boy recognize him for who he was, but he trusted him. He trusted him. Think about this. Ain't nowhere else to get food. Ain't nobody eating. You have to travel for days to go find food. Only food kids got is lunch his mom made them. And he just gave it away. He didn't say, Hey man, I gotta keep half of that. <laughs> can I can can I just get a piece of the fish? Or is here, Jesus? I ain't worried. I know we're all about to eat. So he gave it to him. Blind trust. Because he recognized who he was, he trusted him. And because he trusted him, in the next verse, Jesus broke bread and made a miracle happen. You and I have to teach our kids to trust in a Jesus that they can't see with their eyes. They can only see with their heart. We have to teach them and invest in them and love on them. We have to teach them to pay attention to us. We have to care for them enough to teach them to listen to us when we teach them, to learn from us, and to let the heart of Jesus resonate within them. And that doesn't happen if we pat some kids workers on the back and say, good job. It doesn't happen if we know what we need to do. It only happens when we roll our sleeves up and we join the team and we get in and we say, I'll do my part. The mom was a hero because she did what she knew she had to do. She didn't do it so he could go and give his food away and 5,000 men could be fed and 8,000 people could eat. No, she did it because that's what you do. You show kids that they matter by doing what you can to invest in their life, by paying attention to them, by doing something that no one else may even notice. But I promise you, Jesus does. Remember, I told you when Jesus asked Philip, what are we going to do? He already knew what he was going to do. He already knew that boy was coming. He already knew that boy knew who he was, and then he was going to give his lunch to him. And Jesus took a lunch, and he made something miraculous happen out of it. I want you to know today that I've been investing in young people for a lot of years, and I've had the pleasure and the honor to see God do some miracles in them. To see a kid stand up 15 years old and talk to 500 of his peers about Jesus because he wanted to. To see kids minister to one another and tell them things that other friends will listen to that they won't listen to from us in the cafeteria, not at church, and change their life. I want you to know today kids matter to us because God chooses to use you and I to pour into their life and invest in them and empower them and encourage them to stand up and act out their faith. And listen, morals and values at nine. We can't wait until they're teenagers anymore. Do you know there's also another statistic that says that only 1% of people over the age of 18 ever come to know Jesus? 1%, 1%, and that number's going down every year. It's probably less than that now. It's more important than ever for us to pay attention to our kids and show them that they matter, to teach them to recognize Jesus for who He is, and to teach them to trust Him. And the way that we do that is we act out our faith in front of them, we make decisions and not know what the results are going to be. Is it risky? Yes. That's faith. Trusting God with your home and your finances and your marriage and your children and making decisions and choices based on that and not knowing how it's going to turn out. It's risky, but that's faith. Now, he's not asking you to do it blind. Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'm going to take this boy's lunch. I'm going to rip it out from underneath him, and I'm going to perform a miracle with it. No, the mom had to do some work. She had to make the lunch. The boy had to do some work. He had to bring the lunch, and he had to be willing to offer it up to Jesus. He's not saying that we show our kids, oh, just throw caution to the wind and just believe that God's going to do everything. No, we have to do our part. We read this word of his, we read this Bible, we do what it says, and then we have the faith to leave the results up to him. How many of us are willing to do work if we know we're going to get something out of it? It's not faith. Jesus is not about results. He's about creating results so that you will see that you can trust him when you don't have a reason not to. The last thing that we have to do is this. We have to teach them to recognize Jesus. We have to teach them to trust in Jesus. And lastly, we need to release them to Jesus. I want you to know that I've seen revival happen in students, I've seen a group of people that have poured in, invested in kids and in students and then released them to Christ and watched as he brought change and revival in their life. And I'm not talking about the revival that we know about or you see on YouTube. That's not the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I'm talking a revival that is permanent, that brings permanent change to someone's life and gives them hope that they never had before that carries them through the rest of their life. That's the kind of revival I'm talking about. And I want you to know that we have to chase after our kids because a wave of momentum like that It only starts with students. Students are the only one that have a faith that is childlike enough to even be bold enough to trust God to create a a movement and a momentum. I want you to know that a move of God starts in the student section. Whether it's through parents or whether it's through our teenagers and right through them, it starts in the student section. So chasing after what matters starts in the student section. We have to be willing to do whatever we can to pay attention to the big picture so that we can see that, you know what, teenagers, they're not going to get it right the first time. They're not going to get it right the second time or the third or the 27th or the twenty-ninth, and so on and so on. But we have the patience to encourage them and to listen to them and to wait on them to get it because we trust God and we know that they matter enough to keep going. Let me ask you this question. Where would you be if an adult had given up on you when you were a kid? We can't give up on our kids. It's hard and it's messy and sometimes we don't see results for years, but we can't give up on our kids. We have to trust them, we have to teach them, and then we have to release them to Jesus. He says in John 6, And 11 through 14, then, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And in verse 13, so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. I want you to see that they started out with a few loaves and some fish and when they got done when all the dust had settled and the miracle had happened what was left behind was something more than what was originally started with I want you to know that Jesus will bring revival and he will create miracles and he will do amazing things in kids lives and then when the dust settles and they got a, they come back down to earth and all of a sudden they don't think that anything miraculous is happening anymore they're going to be real they're going to realize that he changed them and made them something more than they were before he started. And if you and I aren't willing to invest in them and work with them and teach them to trust Jesus and to live for him and then release them to him, then this church, if we don't embrace our students, this church is going to face extinction. We will die. The church in America will die. I'm not trying to be gloomy and doomy today. I'm trying to tell you our kids are worth you and I doing everything that we can to engage them and pour into their life. If we pour into their life, not only will we pour in, invest in their life and change them, but revival will break out and the church will benefit from that because not only through those kids but through those parents and through you and I and being fulfilled and helping change their life, we will see a move that will happen throughout the whole church and the people that this church impacts because of it will be countless. And we'll be saying, just like they were trying to count people in, in, the, in the miracle of feeding the 5,000, I think they said 5,000 men because no one took a count. I think that's why they said 5,000 men. That, that's the gospel according to Ricky, okay? So, you know, the, the RMV, the Ricky Mosel version translation of the Bible says, okay, that's just my opinion. But I think they listed 5,000 because they were like, dude, there's too many people to count. <laughs> What do you think? About 5,000. It's good, right? And they did another time, they were like, well, it wasn't five this time. It looked a little bit less, so maybe 4,000, right? But I think that's what he'll do with his church. I think he will begin to multiply us, and he will begin to change people's lives in miraculous ways. And we can't imagine the kind of impact that he'll have. But he'll do it with your hands Not your plans. I want you to know that we have to show kids through example. We have to show them that they have to know who Jesus is before they'll ever do what Jesus says. So kids better matter to us. Or else we're going to face extinction. So how can we use your hands here? Well, there's two ways, two simple ways. We've talked about both of them already today. Number one, give. You can give. Am I talking about financially? Yes. You can give your time, you can give your resources, but you can also give your finances to help. Now, when I'm talking about giving, I'm not talking about giving to some campaign or some fundraising, I'm simply talking about giving your tithe. Giving 10%, which is showing biblical obedience to your trust and faith in God. That's all I'm talking about. Do you know that if every person in this room that believes in Jesus, that trusts Him with their life, every person in this room, if all we did was give our tithe, we could fund every ministry that this church could ever start twice over. We'd never need another penny. So I'm not talking about us trying to raise money. This isn't about trying to build up the kids' church with extra money. This is simply about a church showing kids that they matter by taking care of them, by meeting their financial needs. So you say, Pastor Ricky, how can I help out? You can give. Because I want you to know that your money is going to go towards what Jesus wants us to put it towards. It's going to go towards our kids and our students. And if we make our kids fundraise so that they can have a ministry, we're sinning, y'all. The church should take care of its kids. I promise you, we're not going to make our kids fundraise here. This church is going to support our children. And we're going to pour into them. And we're going to show them that they matter to us. Because in America today, you show somebody they matter by putting your money where your mouth is. And we're going to do the same thing for our students. You know, I've heard from all of my pastor friends that student ministry is dead in America today. And listen, this is who I am, so I don't know how to put this any other way. That's a bunch of crap. That is a load of crap. Okay? Okay? I've been told that you just have to just take care of kids and share Jesus with them, but don't put, invest too much into them. Let's wait till they grow up and they're adults when they can do something, and then all of a sudden it'll be important for us to invest in them. We're not investing Jesus into kids so that we can get something out of them. I want you to know that that's crap. I don't know any other way to put it. I've witnessed firsthand investing in kids and watching them go way beyond the expectations that any of us have for our young people today. You know how many young people today know that they're doing B work that they are capable of doing, and they're getting 100s for it in school? So that's all they do. They're being told they're excellent, that's all they do. We can give. The second thing that we can do is we can get involved. Like James said earlier, today, if you would like to help out, if you would like to get involved, if you would like to show kids that I want to personally help you see that you matter to me, then after church, you can go right out here to our guest services booth, and we have a computer, and they'll help you sign up online, and you can help out in kids' church. And listen, we're going to take care of you. We're not going to use you up and burn you out because that's not showing you that you matter. If you want to, you can get on your phone right now and you can go to destinationchurch.cc slash kids and you can sign up yourself and we will meet with you where you're at and we will do whatever we can to help make sure that you are being fulfilled in serving our young people. Because I want you and I believe you will get something just as much out of serving as our kids will. I want you to see what happens when adults decide to make an investment in our young people and in the life of our kids. So I've asked our children's pastor, Robert furzone I've asked him to come today and to share his story with you about how an adult made an investment in his life and the impact that it had on him. So at this time, I'm going to ask Robbie to come up to the stage if you would. Robbie, y'all give him a hand as he comes up to the stage right now to share his story with you guys.
1: Hello. Hey, there I am. Hi, everyone. My name is Robbie. I'm the children's pastor here at Destination Church. For those of you who have children, don't worry. We have plenty of volunteers back there right now. They'll take care of them while I'm in here. Uh, it's so great that everyone one of you is here today. Uh, Ricky asked me to share um, a little bit of my testimony and a little bit of how I ended up here today. When I was um, younger, I I didn't grow up in church. A lot of people say, well, you know, I grew up in church, I always knew the Lord. That wasn't me. Um, I came to church the first time when my friend invited me there when I was about eight years old. I went there and it was really quite a different experience than I'd ever been to before. Um, There was like singing, there were games, there was a lot of really, really cool things. I mean, the only church I would ever been to was, like, a church that all the kids just sat down, and we just sort of stared at each other while someone droned on and on, and I didn't learn anything. But this was different. And it didn't take very long after that first experience for me to come again and again and again, and eventually I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Uh, at that young, it was really hard for me to understand what that meant. I knew that a lot of people wanted me to do it, I knew that it sounded like a good idea at the time, but I didn't truly understand the weight of that decision I'd made until years and years later. Going through uh, middle school and high school, people always ask you, what do you want to do when when you get older, what do you want to do with your life? Me, I wanted to design video games. I love video games, they're amazing, I don't want to live in a world where I can't play video games, it's just, I just, they're awesome. And I wanted to design them. I, had, I wanted to learn how to program. I would learn how to, you know, if I had to, I would learn how to do art. I would, I would do models. I would do anything. But I wanted to make video games. And as I would pursue that idea, something inside of me or in the back of my mind just sort of poked and nagged at me over and over again. And it told me that, no, no, that's, that's not what you want to do. That's not what I want you to do. See, God had a different plan for me. He didn't want me to do video games as much as I'm sure he knows I enjoy them. He had a different idea. he wanted me to go into full time ministry and I was like I, I i don't i don't really know that's 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 a lot of hard work i'm not I'm not sure I'm even that much of a christian I don't know if I could do that but as I would looked more into this whole full-time ministry thing, the more I kind of wanted to do it, the more appealing it looked. And as I would look for colleges, found out that the Christian colleges were the ones that were offering me scholarships and that those schools were the ones that were willing to pay for me to come there. And eventually I accepted that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I'm actually really happy doing it. I mean, I'm sure I would enjoy you know, making video games, but I don't know if I could live without doing ministry. But you know, I wouldn't be saying that today if it wasn't for something that happened to me many, many, many years ago when I sat around a table with another adult and they talked to me and they cared about me. These adults weren't just putting up with me. They loved me. It was someone else outside of my parents who actually made it feel like I mattered. And that was it. All they had to do was to make me feel like I mattered and I was hooked. I couldn't get enough of Jesus. That's all it takes. That's all it takes is for someone to make a child feel like they matter, and that's what we're doing in Destination Kids, even right now. Your children matter to us, and because they matter, we hope they'll find out that Jesus matters to them, and they matter to Jesus, because if I had never discovered that, Destination Kids would have a different children's pastor, I wouldn't have gone to the school that I went to. I wouldn't have graduated. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't know Jesus at such a young age. It's so important. It's so important that children get to know who Christ is. Not adults, but it's so important when the children know who Christ is. Just like we want children to read and we want children to learn how to write, we wouldn't wait for someone to become a teenager before we teach them how to read and write. That's why it's so important. And that's why we need people like you, just someone who will take an hour or two out of their week to show a child that they matter. Because if someone didn't do that for me, I don't know where I would be right now. And that is why Destination Kids, that's why we make it so important for children to know Jesus matters. Thank you, guys.
0: I'm going to figure that out one of these days. Now, you guys don't know this, but that was very hard for Robbie because he would like to come up here and take about an hour and a half and explain to you his theological dissertation on the Bible. And, I mean, you ain't met somebody that knows as much about the Bible as that guy right there. And he knows the Jeopardy questions too. He was at my house the other day, and he was walking by getting his stuff ready for kid's church, and the guy would ask the question, and he would say the question before the contestant would and get it right. And I'm like, how do you do that, John? Robbie's a great kid. I've know, he's been in our youth ministry. He's a great young man. He's been in our youth ministry. Uh, he grew up in our youth ministry and graduated college. And he's pouring into your kids' lives because someone poured into him. And so today we're going to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes. I'm going to ask Kevin to come on up now. And as Kevin comes to play and as we begin to close, I want you to think about this. With every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, I want to ask you today, I know that we've been talking about kids and showing kids that they matter. But maybe today you discovered that Jesus matters to you. Maybe today you discovered that you want to show other people that they matter. You want to know that you matter. But you've never had a one-on-one conversation with Christ about this. You've never actually just sat and talked to him and said, Jesus Do I really know you as my personal Savior? Some of you may have heard about Jesus. You may have told people that you're a Christian for years. This is not about embarrassing you. This is not about outing you or revealing something about you. This is about you making certain that you know that Jesus isn't just somebody that you know about, but that he's somebody that you know. That you know him like that little boy enough that you recognize him for who he is and that you want to give yourself to him just like he gave his lunch. You want to offer up your services to him. You want to offer yourself to him because you know that he is the Lord of your life. Today, if you haven't made that decision, it's real simple with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around. All you have to do right now as we're praying, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I admit I've heard a lot about you, and I've thought that I've known you for years, but really today I've discovered I don't really know you in a personal way. And so I admit to you, Jesus, that I need you to come into my life, and I want to submit authority to you, and I need you to be the Lord of my life. And then ask him. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Whatever it is that's between you and him that's keeping you from coming to him, just offer it up to him. That's all you have to do. And then accept him. Accept him into your heart. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that not only, not only will he change you, but he's not going to make you new and improve. No, no, no. He's going to make you a brand new creation, the Bible says. If that's you today, I want you to pray with me. And as I pray, you don't need to pray what I pray. You can talk to Jesus just like I can. I want you to pray and and ask him those three simple things. Lord, I admit, Lord, I ask, and Lord, I accept you as my Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, God, as you have shown us something that is near and dear to your heart, as you have shown us, God, that also kids should be near and dear to our heart, there are some people here today, God, that as we have been talking about how much kids value, uh, should value we should value kids, and God, how much they should matter to us, and God, how much people matter to you, Lord, some people in their heart, they've realized, Lord, that they need you to be their personal Savior. God, that they need to admit That they need a Savior and they need to ask you to come into their life and they need to accept you as their Lord. If that's someone today and you've made that decision and you've prayed that prayer right now, I wanna ask you just to simply slip up your hand, if you would, just put your hand up. Put it right back down. Anyone else? Yes. Put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Put it right back down. Anyone else? Anyone else today? You said, I made that decision for the very first time today. I made that decision. I have decided for real today that I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, put your hand up. Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't be afraid. This is a time of celebration. Anyone else? Today, if you raised your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, if you raise your hand today, I want to ask, would you show Jesus that he matters to you enough by standing up right now? If you raised your hand, will you stand up? Thank you. Right now, we're going to pray. And as we pray, I want you today to ask Jesus, what is it that I can do, Lord? Do you want me to give? Do you want me to get involved? What can I do to use my hands to show kids that they matter? Heavenly Father, today we love you. And we thank you for what you've done in here today. God, we thank you for Destination Church and all of these wonderful people that have come to be a part of our family. Lord, I ask God that you would bless their life. God, I ask that you would fulfill them by showing them how they can invest and pour into a kid's life. God, whatever it is today, God, let them know that, God, you have so much more for them than you're asking from them, God. And God, I ask today that not only would they be blessed, but that our kids would be blessed and that this church would be blessed and this community, God, would be impacted for you and for your kingdom. God, we love you today and we honor you. And it's in your name that we pray and ask all these things. And everyone said, amen. Guys, I love you so much. It's so great to see you again. Please make sure you stop by the green room and say hey to me. James is coming at this time to dismiss you. I hope you guys have a great week.